Welcome to the Halliday Wine Companion Podcast. This is our space to chat about wine without all the fluff, from how to taste and describe it to how to pair it to that dinner party you're hosting next weekend. We'll be chatting to industry professionals from across the country, tackling all things wine from a palatable perspective. I'm Tom Carr, your host, and I'm part of the team here at Halliday, and this is By the Glass. Good afternoon. Well, it's an afternoon where I am right now. Whenever you're listening, who knows what time of the day that will be, but I am out in the Yarra Valley. It's been a bloody delight. I, uh, oh, today we're chatting about all things Tempraneo. There's no denying it's the signature wine grape of Spain and a very, very old one at that. It's reported that it's, it dates back to uh, 1100 BC, so it, it is a, um, it's an oldie. There are about 500 clones of Tempraneo in Spain alone, and it's not only one of the world's most planted grape varieties, it's one of the most expanded varieties globally, which means it's on the increase. Uh, Daniel Takar from uh, Takar Estate in Victoria's Yarra Valley has been surrounded by this variety since his parents established the winery in 1995. And what I really liked about chatting with Daniel about this is that he is a chef by trade, so he's not a winemaker, but he's been surrounded by this variety and and uh, his family's winery specialises in Tempranero. So I thought, who better to chat with about this? Please welcome Dan. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Dan and I have got a glass in our hands, Tempranero, of course. Of course. Well, <laughs> it's a great day for it. No, no, it's good to have you out here and talking all things that sort of uh, we... Our family took our set of hung our hat on for so long. Yeah, absolutely. And Dan had a sip and goes, and I'm wetting the whistle. <laughs> We're good to go. Dan, how do you think, I always like to start with this, how do you think Tempraneo is uh, perceived in society? Oh, it's a, it's a, that's a really good question, especially now more than ever. The alternative varietals are definitely on, on the increase, um, and it has been for some time. And though when we planted uh, our Tempraneo nearly 20 years ago, didn't do much for a little bit there, but I think now with education and culture, especially in, in Australia and, and, and Victoria, the, the culture of new wines and exciting wines and the alternatives are really taking sort of a, yeah, a foot forward and yeah, they're really coming to the limelight. Yeah, and they've still got a long way to go. There's still so much of alternative varietals to see and how versatile they are. But yeah, they're just, Tempranillo itself is new to the market in a, in a, in a fresh way. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting because it's such an old, an old variety. So on that, can you touch a little on the history of Tempranillo? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, again, it's a question that's, I think it's even got half the internet baffled. To be honest, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it, it's so old. You know, it's, it's, it dates back, uh, it dates back as you said, nearly two thousand years. So it's, you know, and it's you know, in the last probably hundred years, it's, it's definitely taken on a different role again. And again, in the last 20 to 30 years, it's changed even again. You know, it used to be all about, you know, oak and the fruit underlying. Yeah. Where now it's gone from, and I think I wrote it down as a brawn to finesse. I actually think I stole that off uh, Janice, uh, Janice Robertson's uh, uh, page, funnily enough, because I, I read it and I thought, you know, that was so true to maybe not just Tempranillo, but a lot of wines. And But 
in that case, Tempranillo, it's just changed and it's, you know, the Tempranillo is from the old to the now, it's, it has that finesse. It's, it's really changed. It's, it's developed so much. On the history, whereabouts, uh, you know, t- tell me about where, where it's come from and, and, you know, give me some, give me some background. So the main region of Spain where it's, where it's the main working horse and often known as the noble grape uh, is the region of Rioja, which yep. uh, it's the biggest area of, of grape plantings. And there's the other one, which I can't remember the name of. Uh, I know it's Ribera del something or other. And I know I've, I should have rehearsed that name, but <laughs> my, uh, my linguistics are not always that great. Um, but they're the two main working horse for that region. Yep. And so, you know, they sort of, Command nearly eighty percent of the the world's Tempranillo plantings. Yeah, wow. Okay. So, and, it, and it, but stemming in from that, there's so many other regions now that are growing it outside of Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to ask that actually, because obviously, as we mentioned, um, Spain is the home of the world's most most planted Tempranillo. But where else would we expect to find it? So it's obviously it's bordering with uh, Portugal, so they use a lot of it in sort of their sort of their their, their normal house table wine but also in their sort of their port but then you're sort of moving to new world where you've got sort of the usa notably you know you've got uh, napa oregon yeah and then you're moving down to australia where there's a few capital city you know, areas barossa mclaren vale you know obviously can't leave out yarra valley yeah. <laughs> um then you've got argentina chile south africa you know and these are sort of uh, you know i think australia and south africa in the 90s were sort of leading the charge of how much temperature was being planted yeah, so, right. Okay. So a little interesting tick fact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a bit of a tip bit for you. So because how, so I don't see a lot of Tempranillo in Yarra Valley. Well, I hadn't really heard until I stumbled across you guys. You're obviously one of the first to plant Tempranillo. Yeah, here, definitely. Look, I think there's a few other little ones. I'm not exactly sure when Yarra Yearing had their plantings. Yeah. I know we were one of the first to make a single varietal out of it. Yep. Which is, you know, it's different to just gra- uh, having the grape growing. Because uh, it is such a versatile grape. Again, it, it's blended well. But we were the one of the first to actually go, you know, let's do a single varietal and let's see what happens. Yeah, why did you branch into Tempranillo? Oh, this is a question that I get asked quite a lot. And the funny thing is it, there was no scientific love for it. It was obviously we are planting planting grapes. Uh, we'd already planted most of the property with obviously Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Cabernet and Shiraz. And the last block we were to look at was what is now Tempranillo. But... I think the way I tell the story, and it's probably better than the actual story itself, but, you know, <laughs> I, the a guy, the man who Dad sort of asked about what's, you know, what's, what's next, what's the next big varietal, he said Tempranillo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, he, he kind of lied for about 15 years. <laughs> but it's been sort of a good lesson and good history for us because it's something we've done differently. Yeah. And we've done it, we've done it a quite a different number of ways over – what are we now? Nearly twenty years. So it's yeah. we've probably done it. Yeah. We've done it nearly six types of yeah. Tempranillo of style. So yeah. that shows how versatile it is. But yeah, we uh, we got into it. I'd, I'd love to have a better story other than it was just. <laughs> you could have told me anything. I would have believed it. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, so actually, in fact, I was. In fact, if I, when I was when I met your mum when I arrived, I'm sure she said something around how uh, she was at a, a restaurant somewhere in the world and they served this um, extraordinary Tempranillo, and she was like, "I like that." Is that because that would be another facet of the story? It, look, it definitely could be. Um, you know, I, as I like to say around here, especially around on Sunday night at the dinner table, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, 
little, 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 little exaggerations here and there. You know, I've heard the same story 400 times, 400 different ways. <laughs> and today it's 401. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so uh, the, the name Tempraneros uh, derived from the Spanish word early because these grapes apparently ripen earlier than other red varieties native to Spain. What are some other common attributes associated with this varietal from tannin to acidity to colour to alcohol? It's definitely look. There's mixed uh, mixed reviews on sort of what it, how it is, and I think it's areas and different areas. You're going to get slight variations in the grape, and even uh, even clones. Yep, I believe it's sort of somewhere in the skin thickness in vicinity of between thin and thick, kind of like moderate skin. Yep, uh, which leads it to sort of moderate colouring. Um, usually tends to have a low acid, low tannins. So they're not sort of high in tannins, but they're but again, alcohol wise. Can be moderate to high. Yep. Yeah, like anything. You can depends how you want to make it. It's how long's a piece of string. Yep. But usually it's quite a neutral wine. Yeah. It okay. doesn't have a big strong super flavors, but it's it's moderate. And so probably why it was more lent towards blending as opposed to single varietals. Yeah. But I think also that we probably weren't making it in sort of with today's technologies either to sort of really bring out those underlying flavors that it has. So it's. Yep. It's quite a beautiful grape, really, when it when it's by itself, when it's done correctly. You know, when you take away the wood component, which, like as we said before, they used to do back in the you know fifty years ago, it was it's all wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah now yeah. it's kind of you know that that sort of delicate dance between oak and sort of fruit characteristics, and it's just that American oak versus a French French oak. Yeah. Traditionally, it's done with American oak, especially for us here. We use French oak. It's a little bit more finesse. It's a little bit more subtle. Yeah. Doesn't sort of you know give you that good. Oak. Rash of vanilla, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which is which is lovely. Yeah, so it just changes quite differently uh, depending on oak as well. How about the typical aroma and flavor profile of a Tempranillo? Definitely, uh, look from us and from my experience, it's usually got the sort of almost hints of dry fig, cherry, plum, more so sour cherry for me a little bit, but you know, strawberry as well. It's it's got a, a vast sort of almost a little bit more on that sort of red. To slightly darker red fruit characteristics for me, yeah, with those sort of tertiary sort of you know flavors, you know, vanilla, cedar, a little bit of clove, yeah, uh, tobacco. As Janice Roberts said, to, uh, fresh young tobacco leaf. Even though she said, I don't even know what fresh tobacco <laughs> young leaf smells like, but that's what she envisaged. And I was like, you know what? Half those, half the people who listen to these things go, oh yeah, I've, I wonder what that smells like. And reality is, half of us think. Well, what does that smell like? <laughs> I was actually having a I was having a wine in front of a, a you know um, uh, with a friend. Oh, I don't know somewhere between one of the seventy four thousand lockdowns we've had, and um, <laughs> and and I and I've been studying the WSET, and I and I smelt and I go. I go, God, I just smell forest floor. And she goes, what does that smell like? And I was like, I just, like that's just a turn of phrase that I picked up from. And she it, was like, oh, Christ. Yeah, the old forest floor. <laughs> I, I, I actually like the one, uh, uh, Dusty Barnyard. <laughs> because I, I – and, and funny enough, I've been to a few Dusty Barnyards. And, <laughs> it's, and see, Dusty Barnyard's kind of like you get that slight hint of dust, but that old – Musky wood, and it, it, I've done the wet set. And I, you know, I, I joked a lot in it, and probably why no one 
<laughs> but I did well in it, funnily enough. But <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, but, but temporary the, the flavors. Yeah, you, I you do get those sour. And for us in our temporary, we get almost um, chinotto kind of characteristics, like sour cherry. You know, it's kind of it's underlying, but it's also showing also that Yarra Valley hint of herbaceousness that just comes through, which. Yeah, you know, if it didn't have that, it kind of wouldn't be Yarra Valley. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, in, into a bit of a, like a, a little technical, little technical jargon. nerdy jargon here, but we'll just you know we'll skim through this because we're bore people. But if you're buying a Spanish Tempranillo, there are four legal aging terms under which wines are labelled. Yep. Um, Oven. Joven, jo- Oven, I'm not Joven. pronouncing. Cri- Crianza, Crianza, Reserva, and Gran Reserva. Yep. Now, what are the differences between these? Yeah, that's uh, another good question, and something, funny enough, I know a bit about. And after doing the wet set, and obviously being more a, a French, yeah, Burgundy kind of, yeah, you sort of learn these kind of hierarchies and jargon of sorts, yeah, yeah, yeah. which. <laughs> One means I can't afford it. Yeah. One means I can, basically. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously the, the, there's the Joven, which is the young wines. There's the Crianza, which is yeah, two years to, uh, total ageing, which is you know, a minimum of six months in barrel. Uh, you've got the Reserva, which is uh, uh, three years in total ageing with one year minimum barrel. And then you've got the Grand Reserve, which is kind of the, again, the stuff that no one really can afford, <laughs> we can only look at. Uh, but they're not, funny enough, they're not super expensive compared to some, you know, burgundies. But Grand Reserve is, you know, five years aging, two years in barrel, three years minimum bottle before it's left the winery. So, yep. Yep. you know, and I guess the whole Spanish aging classifications, yeah, a lot, yeah, they're sort of near what sort of, you know, the Italian classifications are and near enough to sort of the French. But the, the Italians and the Spanish are sort of more in, in line. Yeah, than that with the French. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Italians didn't have Napoleon saying, "Huh, this one's uh, better than this one." <laughs> yeah, divide by a fence, and you, you're talking a thousand euros. <laughs> well, the the Italians are. I mean, look what's happening with Prosecco. They were just behind the eight ball. They sort of sh- should have sorted this out years ago. <laughs> Don't get me started on that that one. That's a, that's crazy. <laughs> oh. oh. That, actually, that's where we should, but then we won't be talking about temperature. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a later day conversation. Yeah, okay, all right. That, that's, that, over that, a that, few. that's called chewing the fat with Thomas Carr. Yeah. <laughs> that's our um, our spin off series. <laughs> um, so you mentioned it really like earlier on, but we were talking about how versatile it is. What sort of styles are most commonly associated with the variety? Well, I think what you're seeing now more than ever is probably. More the the Joven style, the yeah. younger style. Yeah, um, it's definitely coming down. Yeah, obviously that's what's being imported. Yeah, we tend to make our wines slightly in the Joven style, but it's again the classifications probably doesn't work as well in Australian terms. But yeah, that's what you're sort of seeing. It's it's definitely a younger market, younger drinking market, drinking now fresh yep. market. Yeah, there is the aged Tempranillos, but because it's such again going back to its how new it is to the market. You're not really seeing too much of the older stuff, especially the good older stuff. Like there are, there. it's not. Yeah. It's not that they're not there. It's just that it's not as common here in Australia. Here in Australia, yeah, you can still get them, but yeah, you know, they're selected sort of. The, you know, the better ones, the better bottle shops that sort of you know are really a bit more. Yeah, maybe uh, like the Prince or you know even Nick's or you know all the. All the I'm just trying to think who who else would would do Tempranillos. Yeah, there, there's a range, but. Seeing the, the real old stuff, I don't think many people would be drinking the older stuff. It's yep. more young, fresh. I think there's 
I can't even think of the top of it to my head, to be honest. So, and how about like, because obviously you guys have a um, a broad spectrum. I mean, you use a bit of Tempranillo in in, in sparkling. You use it as a dessert wine. So, like, what are some other apart from sort of typical sort of dry style full bodied reds? Like, what other kind of styles would we see with Tempranillo? Oh, look, it's it's going back to its versatility. It's it is versatile. I know for us at Tokyo Estate, we've we've done rosé. Yep. Uh, we've done a fortified, yep, which is we call La Tentadora. Yeah, uh, obviously after the Spanish word La Temptress. Yep. We've also done a fermented in terracotta. Yep. We've done barrel aging. Uh, yep. We've done all different styles. So it's again, it's very versatile. You know, even to, to pet nats, yep. it's it's lends itself to any kind of style that you want to make. And, and but having said that. That also lends itself not to just Tempranillo. Again, that's yeah. sort of any grape. If, you, if you're willing to take the risk, you can lend any grape to sort of any style and just have fun with it. You know, And I guess that's probably the new way of wine is, you know, there's traditional bricks and mortar, which I guess we are, but there's also that, that fun element of what can it be. When I was chatting to your winemaker um, up in the winery and he was saying that Tempranillo is just such a pleasure to work with, it's just such an easy grape to work with. So what is it? Commonly blended with traditionally, it's it's blended with uh, Grenache, Grenache, yep, little bits of Merlot and Shiraz. So again, it's it's a mixture. It's it's usually the bridesmaid as opposed <laughs> to the bride. <laughs> I know it's a little bit sad to say, it's but it's always on the back seat. <laughs> traditionally, yeah, it's always sort of a filler. Um, <laughs> kind of like Grenache, actually, because I was chatting with Giles Cook and he was saying the th- same thing. It's it's always, well, now they're placing it front and centre. They're making single vineyard Grenache. But it's always best been, you know, bridesmaid. You know, it's never in the pretty white dress at the front of the front of the room. Yeah, it's always, it's always like, well, why'd you plant Grenache? To sort of blend it with something. To, yeah. To lift the Shiraz. Yeah. What about lifting the Grenache? <laughs> what about lifting the Tempranillo? Like, you know... <laughs> These poor varieties don't, don't get nothing. <laughs> well, you know, you guys are obviously changing that. And what about the uh, growing conditions, the ideal growing conditions of Tempranillo? Yeah, it's, Tempranillo is a real, again, versatile because, you know, obviously in Spain you've got the, uh, obviously in the north, which is a bit cooler. Yep. South, you've got a bit warmer styles of, of, of Tempranillo and the two kind of, you know, one's a little bit cooler, warmer, you know, the, the flavours are different and the... The styles it gets different. Yeah, we're Valley Floor, so I say we're always a little bit warmer than sort of say Upper Yarra. Mm, mm, mm. Um, but then you got sort of like sort of the Alpine Valley, sort of King Valley. You know, there you know, King Valley is probably, if I had to say, a notable one for sort of temperature. It's sort of King Valley as well. Yeah. Uh, then you got sort of uh, I know one of my favourite wines, um, Mayford in the Alpine Valleys. Yep. Yeah, they're sort of the upper, sort of that cooler style, style climate. So. It, again, very versatile, but it's growing conditions. It's it can do. It's hardy. It can do well with both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a resilient grape. Yes, in a way. Okay. <laughs> in a way. <laughs> Shit house with diseases. <laughs> Rubbish. Really? It, it's it. Oh well, yes, yes. Talk it, about fluoroxera with this. As a grape varietal, it's not good with diseases. Yeah. Right. Obviously, the Yarra Valley is facing pockets of, of phylloxera. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have phylloxera. It's yeah. sad. It's kind of like saying someone who you vote for or, you know, what you believe in. It's, yeah, it's a dirty word. Okay. It's, <laughs> in it's, the, a, in it's, it's naughty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to give any examples because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll probably offend someone, which, hey, you get, I get out of bed and I offend someone, apparently. 
but uh, it's very susceptible. It yeah. doesn't do well. So we got Phylloxera. We got Phylloxera a few places, a few paddocks, uh, a few different you know, vines, I should say. The Tempranillo is probably the one that sort of has gone downhill the worst. Yeah, right. How interesting. Uh, which is sad. So th- unfortunately, that'll be the first to be replanted. Yeah, yeah. Which is sad because it's nearly some of the oldest vines in the valley. Yeah. They're hitting 20 years old. Yeah. I think some of the oldest, depends where you look on the internet, but the oldest known variety like, of Tempranillo yeah. of, was either Yolumba or Brown Brothers in yeah. around 1994, 1995. Yeah. We planted ours in 1990, 1999. Yeah, right. Okay. So some of the oldest, and unfortunately it's going to be ripped it's out really next year. It's really sad. It'll be replanted with a different, yeah, different clone, different clone, different yeah. stock. But it's still sad. You lose, you lose those years, which you just can't get back. Yeah, of course. Bloody Phylloxera. I've actually got to do an episode on Phylloxera because it's it, like if you, oh that dirty. <laughs> that if, you, dirty. If, you, if you can, anyone out there, if you can find a cure for Phylloxera, you'll be very, very wealthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. We will for people at home that don't know what that is, but it's a disease. But we'll we'll do an episode on that. I'll I'll put that um on the back burner. In, in a nutshell, it's a, it's a mite that just eats the roots. Yes, yes. Now let's talk about. Actually, we've got one of your well, Martin's first vintage. We had twenty twelve. We do. We'll just we'll just grab that and we're just pouring glass while we chat because the obviously the area that Daniel's really going to shine in is food because. He is a chef by trade. You know, he, he comes from a European household. His mum's in the kitchen cooking us up a delightful feast right now. Daniel, let's talk about Tempranillo as a food wine while well, he's pouring, pouring, <laughs> pouring it. Come back to the mic for a moment. There we go. I'm back here. I'm just after pouring a glass of 2012 just to have a look at ageability. Yeah, so is it a food wine? Talk to me about it. You're a chef. I guess well, it's you'd want it to be, especially seeing the region it comes from, known for their tapas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a little history fact, you know, Rio has a big um, yeah, sheep, um, lambing kind of, you know, that's their big industry there. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of that stuff they eat with, Tempranillo, yep. Yep. is lamb, grilled lamb, you know, different types of lamb. So it's quite funny that it's like it's – we think of Spanish food as all the different tapas bits, but, you know, in Rioja, they will usually have lamb with their tempranillo. Yeah, right. But, you know, I'm partial to a bit of hamon. I know when I was a chef, um, little kitchen confidential talk here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Won't say where I was working, but it was a, a beautiful Italian place and they got some uh, a burger hamon. Yeah. Beautiful leg, 1500 bucks for the box. Wow. Beautiful. Open package. Oh, it was – I remember slicing it. One for the customer, one for me. <laughs> <laughs> and please tell me at the same time you were um, sipping on a Tempranillo. I, I wish. <laughs> it was an Italian restaurant. so. But oh, yeah, of course. Sorry, yeah. And, and I was probably an apprentice at that stage, but the hamon, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, – so obviously lamb is a beautiful uh, partner – to Definitely. A little, little grill, little lamb cutlet, just sort of, you know, a little bit of marinade on there and just over the barbecue. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. What else would you like to um, have with Tempranillo? Oh. Well, how about a dessert? How about a fortified Tempranillo? Yeah. Oh, well, we do make a fortified Tempranillo and it's, I guess, I like fortified with cheese. Yeah, okay, right. Yep, yeah. And I just think cheese is just, you know, especially our fortified, I love it with cheese. It's just yep. nice, easy drinking, 
but food, you know, I, get, I sell that because I'm quite hungry at the moment. It's, yeah. it's, it's nearly, nearly six o'clock. I can, I can smell the roast, the, the, the roast smell coming from the kitchen. And we're talking about food. We're talking about temperature. Like, oh. but you know, like yeah, temperature is so it's it, it drinks well with everything, mm, um, mm, mm, mm. and probably not the best advice. But if you like to have red wine with fish, go for it. Yeah, you know you best. Yeah, you you do you. You do I you. hate that turn of phrase. Awful. Uh, that twenty twelve is nice, by the way. It's a really, 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 really nice wine. What do you think of it? It's almost got this like real Rabina. Yes, kind of it character. does. Doesn't it? And I love Rabina. Yes, I actually I love it. I can I can drink that. <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm, I'm nearly I'm thirty six, and I, sometimes I think I'm like six. <laughs> no. And even the colour, it's kind of got that kind of ga- uh, garnet colour, you know, as it heads into that sort of more kind of tawny. It's it's it's, it's holding on well. It's, it's yeah, it has. It's mm. not high on acid. It's it's a little lost, litter of the fruit sort of, but it's still. Yeah, I think it's holding up quite well. That twenty twelve, that's nice. The nose are lovely. Yeah. Um. Oh, gosh, now I'm hungry as well. So, you know, I think that we've pretty much worked our way. I, think, I hope I have. I, I sort of, you know, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none kind of mentality. I sort of, you know, the, the old, I got told it a long time. You know, if you don't know the answer, just believe in your own lie. Oh. But no, I, I haven't lied about anything tonight. So no, you're, just, you're fair suck of the sav. You've grown up around um, Tempranillo here for the last 20 years, so, you know. I've, dam- I've damaged enough vines to yeah, sort of... Uh, yeah, you're not a total novice. <laughs> um, Dan, thanks so much for um, chatting with us about all things Tempranillo. Hey, thank you. It's, uh, it's fun. Uh, uh, a little bit of a mid-coughing fit, but that's, that's, that's no... That's no uh, <laughs> yeah, which, which you won't hear on the, on the podcast. <laughs> no, we'll enough, hopefully edit that out. We'll hopefully edit that out, but we've, we've, had a, we've had a fun ch- chat and it's, <laughs> it's been a little bit of fun and, you know... We got there in the end. We did. <laughs> um, guys, uh, have a, you know, a fabulous weekend and uh, look forward to seeing you all next week on By the Glass. Ciao.